What makes the good life the good life? This podcast is on a mission to find out. So join us as we explore the Heartland's best and most honest voices. Venture to all four corners of York County, because when it comes to quality of life, it's all about keeping it local. Brought to you by the York County Development Corporation, this is 17 County, Season 4, with a spotlight on York College. Hello listeners, Mitchell Rausch here. I am the producer of the 17 County Podcast, and as you followed along this season, we featured some stories and voices from York College. As a vibrant corner of education, diversity, and mission, YC has become a fixture of the community here. It's probably not news to you. That being said, the YCDC podcast team, Derek, Lisa, and myself, we wanted to close out this season, our York College Spotlight, a little differently, with a memorial of sorts. As many of you know, my mother, Sue Rausch, passed away suddenly a little over a year ago. She was a leader, a volunteer, and and a voice of progress and positive change here in Seventeen County for over 30 years. Involved in numerous civic endeavors and nonprofit organizations and much, much more, my mom, Sue, loved York. She loved the people. She loved being a part of making great things happen in this corner of the heartland. And through that time, she also worked at York College in various influential capacities. And so we felt it would be appropriate to give some space to her life and her stories and her legacy here on the 17 County Podcast. So what you're about to hear are a few snapshots from myself, my father, Dr. Clark Rausch, and a few of Sue's closest friends here in the community. Again, as a memorial of sorts, it's an opportunity to share just a slice of what made her wonderful and made her a rare gift to 17 County. So thank you for joining us on this journey as we share the best of what our corner of Nebraska has to offer. And, well, here is a window into Sue Roush's wonderful influence. Cheers. If you want to kind of thumbnail the, the origin and how you guys met. Yeah, she um, was raised in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, she was an only child. Um, she went to Harding University, which is where I went, and we met, and um, we dated, and we got engaged, and we married um, three days before graduation, and uh, then we moved to Iowa City so that I could get my master's, and then uh, we moved to Walnut, Iowa, where I spent four years being kindergarten through 12th grade vocal general choral music person and then in um the fall of 1986 i started here at york college and so we moved out here about a month before that and that's kind of the thumbnail sketch of what what brought us here my oldest son was born in when i was in walnut and mitchell was born here when we were in york so that's kind of our pre-York thumbnail. Great, great. And then, yeah, so talk to me a little bit about her career here um, as it started maybe in York or um, even as, you know, pre-York. Well, she did a lot of, of a lot of different things. Um, she uh, worked for a while um, at the college, just doing odds and ends. She worked uh, at the radio station for a little bit. Um, then she worked for um, 
Cornerstone Bank as a trust uh, officer. And then they wanted her to come back and work in the business office at York College. So she did that and managed that. And then she moved into advancement and development and uh, did that for a while. And then uh, she got a phone call from one of her mentors in her master's degree plan uh, saying they had gotten a phone call and would she be interested in a position of being de a deputy communication director for Governor Heineman. And she did that uh, until the end of his term. And then she um, spent two years being an administrator at the College of Journalism and Mass Communication at UNL, where she had gotten her master's and had, she had been an online and in-person teacher for them. And then she spent um, two years at Concordia University in their marketing team. And then she spent a year at Nebraska Wesleyan and the marketing faculty. So that was kind of her, you know, professional career history in a nutshell. Where did the, the passion for the communication kind of come from? I mean, was that always there? I think so. She worked at the radio station um, as, as an undergrad. Okay. And um, she's always been interested in theater. And uh, she really didn't find her specific niche with within communication until she was in her 40s. And then, oh, man, she took off, baby. And she was a strong, wonderful, aggressive, powerful, competent uh, career businesswoman, as well as a wonderful wife and mother and um, I think, valued community member. Today we're here with Dr. Shannon Linen, um, York College uh, Dean of Online Learning. Um, been there for a few years now, and but we're very excited to hear what she has to say about Sue Roush. So. Yeah, it's great to be here today. I have been Sue's friend for several years, and it's really kind of crazy that it's coming upon a year anniversary of her being gone. Um, How did you first meet Sue? Um, great question. Actually, Sue and I uh, kind of met as a meet-cute in some ways. My first job out of college was actually working for your college in the admissions department. And so she was at that time working with alumni, um, working directly with our board, and I was invited to come to a big workshop in Oklahoma. And so we were mutually supposed to go to Oklahoma, but um, on different missions and ended up staying at a board member's house together. So we had kicked it off at that time. And really, um, you know, I'm a generation, at least younger than her. And so that was one of the really special things about Sue is you kind of look at the people that were close around her um, you could see that she just really didn't care generationally um, about what you had in common. So that was pretty cool that we could connect um, particularly with that. I remember driving down, we ended up having to drive to Oklahoma together and um, just that really being the, the bonding point of, of, of our relationship. Um, one thing that Sue and I really had in common, which is usually what spent the most of our time conversationally around, was we both really like to fix organizations. We see holes um, that could be better. We're, we 
we have both have a love for communication. So our ability to um, note both what was happening internally and organizationally was uh, something that we really bonded over and liked to um, solve the world's problems, both with people and with process. So uh, that was really where our minds melded professionally. Sue and I, our relationship kind of, we both ended up leaving our college. We stayed both for a long time. Uh, I ended up at Concordia University uh, for about five and a half, six years. And uh, at that time she had left, she was working for Governor Heinemann and then was looking for what was to be her next um, next step after that. And she, we had a position open in our marketing department. And so it was great to be back in employment with her at Concordia also um, for a few years before she launched off to really hit her dream of being a professor, which um, we both have often found ourselves in leadership positions, but we both also have a desire for teaching and, and that bond there too. So um, for me, you know, one of the really special things that I had an opportunity to do with her as her friend, um, when she left for Nebraska Wesleyan, was to take her to her treatments in, in Lincoln and then have dinner with her and um, then come back and help her teach her night class um, at Nebraska Wesleyan and be a guest speaker here and there, but mostly just to drive and again have our camaraderie kind of ironically is the, the way that our relationship started with a long car trip, which was really fun and, and amazing with that. Um, she was a person who really uh, reached for her dreams. Yeah, she was so tenacious, you know, I, at her kind of her theme for herself as, a, as we, her friend group, have noted her as a woman of valor. But if I were to give her a, uh, a word that describes Sue, I would just really describe her as having a lot of tenacity and really knowing her value. Um, what she could bring to the table and conversationally. So that was that was really great to watch her continue her step path process with her tenacious ability, uh, especially at, towards the end at when she was so sick. And then what are some things that you like to tell others about Sue? That's a great question. So um, one of one of the things um, we always talked about and had in common. We are we're both kind of searchers and wanderers, um, which our friend group will probably, if listening, will um, relate to that. Both always kind of searching and wondering um, what the next project is supposed to be. And one of my very last um, opportunities to have lunch with Sue, um, we were talking about career paths, and again, as our conversation always um, usually ended up on, and. She said to me, she goes, I was trying to weigh some different options about what I was supposed to do in a job change, which eventually ended up me being back here at York College as the Dean of Online. And she said to me, um, when I was weighing options, the ifs, hands, and buts, she said, you just really need to take what today is bringing you. And if you change it tomorrow because something else happens, um, don't worry about disappointing other people. <laughs> And so I think that's really the advice that she would want to leave behind. Because um, I think she did that. 
And Mitch, um, what was that kind of like having, you know, a mother, um, you know, you know, working with the governor, I guess, what was that kind of, I guess you were old enough to kind of know a little bit about what her role was, but what was that kind of like? Yeah, it was pretty great. I mean, um, she, she got that gig and I was pretty, I was in college, um, when, when that gig came around. So it was, it was really cool to get a front row seat to all of that. But I think, I think one of the biggest things to really take away about my mom's professional career is, um, it, it's really easy to kind of go through the rap sheet and think, or I j- just hear about all the different stops and think of all the different stuff that she did. But I think the common thread through all of it, I guess there are two common threads through all of it is that one is she believed in being a part of something bigger and every, everything that she was a part of, whether it was like a community organization, she was so heavily involved in different organizations here in the community of York, um, or if it was her professional credentials, everything came back to the concept of she believed very deeply in the mission of whatever that endeavor was. That's why she built so much of a career around public service, why she spent so much of her time in the nonprofit sector, why she spent so much time volunteering and around fundraising, and then why she spent the last few years of her life um, dedicated to educating and mentoring the next generation of professionals in the arena of which she was passionate about, especially younger women. Like, so everything that she was doing was about equipping other people or helping other people or buying into a bigger mission. And specifically with the governor stuff, like that's obviously her shining star from like a professional credential standpoint. And why wouldn't it be? Um, But the cool thing about that was, is everything about that, that experience was laced with integrity. Um, I mean, I, most people can identify a lot of people have had jobs where maybe you've worked for somebody that you didn't necessarily respect, or you worked in an environment that wasn't that particularly healthy, or you switched positions or switched jobs or went to a different company because you, you needed a change of scenery because where you were at was either stagnant or less interesting. Every, people are familiar with that kind of concept. And it was pretty remarkable to see firsthand um, her thriving in the arena uh, politics at, at the state level and to see the um, bipartisanship going on. And, and I would definitely say it's such a cliche thing to say, but at the same time, like it was an actual thing. It's pretty remarkable to see that um, Governor Heineman definitely seemed intent on building his um his reputation, his governing, and his staff on the concept of integrity and on the concept of being honest. And so those are things that she could completely buy into. And then if that's if that's what's motivating what it is that you're doing, then the work that she's buying into means something. And that speaks to that greater concept of she's not just serving Governor Heineman, she's serving her state, she's serving the people of Nebraska. I feel like she did a pretty good job of it. She loved that gig and she'd have done it for a lot longer if he would have been able to have longer terms. Um, she, she definitely would have stayed on, on staff with him. But it was, it was good to see that kind of be a peak for the, the overall pursuits of her wanting to continue to invest in things that were bigger than herself. Here's Bob Sauter with the York County Visitors Bureau. So yeah, Bob, just tell me a little bit about Sue and how you and Sue first met. Oh, well, first of all, I guess, it's kind of appropriate, I guess, that today is the one-year anniversary of her passing. I met Sue when they first moved here. 
she and Clark were both involved in the Playhouse. I met Sue early on. Um, and it's kind of, she's kind of one of those people that it's like you always knew her. Um, well, just, it's like we did. We, it's like an old shoe. You just felt very comfortable with her. And she was comfortable with everybody else that she was around. Uh, she was kind of like Mother Hen that kind of took everybody on and nurtured them. And I don't think she ever met anybody that she didn't like. She and I were in the original cast of Boys Next Door, which the Playhouse has redone three times. Uh, but she was my love interest um, in that first one. And it was a story about a group home for, for mentally challenged adults. We lived in the men's group home, and then she and a couple other characters lived in the women's group home. But uh, perfectly cast. And we've kept up with our lines and our names. She was always Sheila from then on, and I was always Norman, or Normie, as her emails would, would say. Um, but yeah, we'd run, get together and run lines like it was, we were still on the play, which other people probably found to be very obnoxious, but it was a lot of fun for us anyway. Oh gosh, probably one of the most talented people I think I've ever known. There were so many things that she did so well. Beautiful voice, one of those voices you could close your eyes and listen to for several hours. Um, just a multi-talented person and one of the good people. You know, I'm sure that as we're you know sitting here talking about how you first met, there's been a treasure trove of, of memories that you've kind of just kind of opened. Um, you know, what is maybe a memory or maybe a series of memories um, that you maybe think about um, when you think about Sue, kind of, you know, maybe a staple story that you, you always need to share? There are quite a few of them. She and Clark used to bring the boys when they were very little to rehearsals and then to the plays. And at that time, Siskel and Ebert had had uh, a show on TV where they would rate the movies. Well, Mitch and Matt would would rate the show, and then they would draw our characters. So we had had a lot of those that we could put on our refrigerator. Um, but one uh, one with her that kind of sticks out is when we used to do the shows. We originally did a lot of them at the Legion Club in the basement, which was not the best conditions, but we made the best with what we had to work with. We would usually, most of the cast would go upstairs after the shows were over, after rehearsal was over, and we would have a few few drinks and we would play pickle cards and joke and laugh and tell stories. And we'd be there till closing, and of course, Sue didn't drink much and while she wasn't looking um, Fred Hess and Tom Kazelka and anyone else that was there if we were playing pickle cards <laughs> most of them were losers anyway and we'd have a huge stack and while she wasn't looking or somebody would distract her we would stuff her purse full of all of the losing pickle cards 
hoping that when she got home, Clark would see her purse full of pebble cards and ask her about her gambling addiction. And I don't know. I think she fi finally figured it out. I don't know. She never really said anything, but she would have just laughed anyway. Sounds like a fun little story there. Yeah. So, but there, I mean, there's a lot of stories, but she was just a good, good, good person. After her funeral, when we went to the reception that the family had, uh, I got a big box of donuts, and then I wrapped up a couple of keys and took them, took them with me to the family. So she finally got her keys after all that time. That's kind of a neat story that she eventually ended up getting those keys yeah. that she spent so three different plays trying to oh, I know get. <laughs> and she she did get them at the end in the play. I I wrapped them up in a box that had I don't know dozens of bows on them, and I, then I was obsessed with the bows, and I wanted the bows back, and she wouldn't give me the bows, but she kept my keys. <laughs> What are you going to tell others about Sue as how you remember her or how you want her to be remembered? Talk to anybody that came along. Um, she just was one of those truly good people that you don't run across very often. I you know, was blessed to be one of those that was a good friend. My mom's welcoming energy was one of those things where, where the right people found it and she always made room for another. That was, that was the biggest thing. I'd say from a professional standpoint, she always made it a point to be a part of something bigger than herself and to be a part of helping people. And from a personal standpoint, she just always made room for folks. That's just, that's the common side effect. Like if you have a story about my mom, it was a story about my mom making room for you and her sitting down and listening and really digging in deep and learning about who you are and um, helping you like do really cool things. That's just what she did. Um, we actually, around the one year anniversary of her death, we actually had a, um, a, a private video chat with some folks that we were close with, some family friends, former students, um, family that lived out of state, that sort of thing. And we just had a time to sit with everybody and everyone just, I, we just said, let's just tell stories and let's just be together for as long as we need to. And it was so funny. There was, there was a former student there who um, had, had be, has been in my family's life for um, over a decade. And he was on and, and kind of his last signing off thing before we kind of ended the call was, isn't it great that all of us are on here and all of us felt like we were Sue's favorite because she made us feel that way. <laughs> That's, you know, that's a one of a kind person to be able to make that many people kind of feel that way. So, I mean, that's, you know, quite the achievement. She um, landed, um, you know, in 2014 um, at the University of Nebraska um, as a director of marketing. Um, I guess, Clark, yeah, tell me a little bit about, you know, that position um, and what maybe drew her there and um, what kind of work she was kind of accomplishing there well she had gotten her master's in integrated marketing communication from that college and so um she had a chance to go back and um around some adjunct teaching she had a chance to you know do some things like make the building more attractive and and change some of the narrative and some of the written material and they actually after she had been there a year, 
And the same thing happened when she went to Concordia based on everything that she wrote. They had their first spike in enrollment in a long time based on her work. And as Mitchell said, she continued to find a way to engage in students. She went overseas with another faculty member with, two, with a group of students two times to Ireland. And, and still, I mean, up until her death, was communicating with some of those people or they were writing back for advice or saying, hey, can I use you as a, as a reference? Hey, would you help me with my application? Uh, this is what I want to do. Is there someone in your network you can connect me to? Um, and that was, that was what she did. And, and she did it so well, so well there and, and, and so consistently. But she was, again, able to do all that still able to have family, still able to be in the community, still able to connect with people, still able to mentor people. Um, even though she started commuting, she always just adored this city and, and its people. And she did so many volunteer things around all this other stuff um, that I think not only enriched her life and the life of our family, but enriched the lives of many people in the community as well. So we're here with Audrey Sauter um, with Angle Murphy Campbell, um, and we're going to be talking about Sue Roush. And so I just kind of want to um, give it over to Audrey. Um, you know, how did you and Sue kind of first meet? Sue and I met um, in this really kind of unique way. We were both uh, working in Lincoln and living in New York um, and traveling back and forth for work. So before I came to the law office of Angle Murphy and Campbell here in New York, I worked as an assistant attorney general for the state of Nebraska in Lincoln um, and commuted five days a week. And one day I was at work in my office in Lincoln and I got an email from somebody and said, hi, my name is Sue from down the hall. She was working um, as the deputy communications director for Governor Heinemann at the time. Um, and she was commuting back and forth from York to Lincoln. And she decided to reach out to me to see if we wanted to possibly carpool. Um, and then I emailed her back. We went to lunch and it was the start of this amazing, amazing um, friendship. So, and that was, oh gosh, maybe nine years ago. So a while ago, but yeah, that's how our friendship started. No, that's awesome. That's, that's great. Um, so you mentioned the, the the long, you know, great friendship that you were able to to have with Sue. Can you maybe talk about, you know, a memory or a series of memories or some moments um, or whatever you would like to share just maybe about um, Sue? Yeah. So one of the things about Sue and one of the things that was hard about coming up with that is that it's just hard to explain what it's like to be on the receiving end of a friendship with her because she was just, it's just so many things to so many people, but so many things to anybody she has in contact with. The, the biggest thing for me um, is that she was, she was just a perfect mix of everything that would make up a person <laughs> to me. And so she was very left and right brain. She um, was analytical, but she was also very artistic. Um, she had this like ability to sing beautifully, but then she could write like a persuasive press release about something like technical that she had no background in or anything with the same ease and do it just as beautifully. I mean, it was amazing how she could be so, I don't know, well-versed at everything she did. 
And she, you know, she could laugh with you. She could cry with you. She was a great listener, but amazing communicator and speaker. And so to me, she was just, I don't know, what do they say? Air quotes, like all the things. Isn't that what kids say now? <laughs> like she really was. Um, and she's, she was just the balance of everything anybody like needs or look, looks for. Like we all struggle with to find balance and like work and life and family. And she was just all of that universal balance, like personified in a person. What are you going to tell others about Sue? What's, what's going to be what you remember and the legacy that you want to live on through kind of yourself? I think the legacy that I want to leave involving her, um, and this is kind of, I guess, going to make me a little bit emotional. She was just like such a champion of women. And she really thought that women could be whoever they wanted to be. They wanted to stay at home. They wanted to work. They wanted to be involved in their community or government. They really could be anything they wanted to. And that we had so many ways to explore how women fit in this world that we hadn't experienced yet. And there was just so much possibility there for that. And so if there was something another woman wanted to, to be or do and push themselves, I mean, she was there for that. She was the first in line to offer you support and be your number one cheerleader for sure. So Sue and I actually started a kind of a small group called York County Women Together um, a few years ago. That was something that when we worked in Lincoln, we had all these opportunities to kind of, you know, network and um, be around other professional women or, um, you know, because you were downtown, you could grab a quick lunch, you could grab a coffee really easily. Um, And while we socialized a lot in town, we realized that was kind of like, you know, that piece was kind of missing here. And so we brought that uh, to York um, and our tagline was empowerment or lead. And we wanted to create a group where women could step outside their comfort zone and kind of grow together. So I have all of the ideas, all the things we talked about. um, And I feel that if you are given the gift of Sue as a friend, it's just who she was to carry that on and continue to give that gift. Um, You just wouldn't know her and not feel that that was what her purpose was for you. Um, And so if I'm going to say anything about what her legacy is, is that um, I will continue, though I won't do it as well, continue to carry that, that torch on for her in this community. So I'm making that, I made that promise to her and I'm going to follow through on it. So watch for that um, because people will know who she is, even if they've never met her. Her, her professional accomplishments, I think, I think they stand on their own. I really do. I think she was able to do an awful lot, especially um, considering what she had to overcome to, to do that. You know, um, I, I would say though, her, like what her lasting legacy would be is her lasting legacy would be not just providing an an example of how to be a successful working woman and have a family. But like, I would say her lasting legacy would be to um, do as much as she can to make the pathways for those behind her a whole lot smoother. Um, Without going into great detail, what a lot of people don't know is that Um, my mom did early on in her career have to suffer through some deeply uh, abusive sorts of situations in the workplace. You know, um, she was an only child raised in the South by very conservative parents, 
you know, so she, she, she wasn't exactly given a roadmap of how do I become a feminist career woman while still having a family? Like there wasn't a pathway for her to easily follow. She really had to forge her own way. And I said this at her funeral service was like she, in a lot of ways, she kind of had to walk across barbed wire in order to get there. Um, but she never, she never used it as an excuse. And she really spent all of her free time doing everything that she possibly could, whether it was through community involvement or in one-to-one uh, mentoring conversations with people that she was investing in. She spent as much of her free time as she possibly could, even while she was sick, um, investing in other people or in organizations to make the pathway smoother and easier for other people. Like, um, my, my mom was in the middle of her cancer treatment when we were um, doing a petition for protecting the public library here locally. She marched in the parade and she helped gather signatures and she helped raise awareness for wanting us to support the public library when um, there were leaders in the community that were threatening to pull its funding. You know, like she did, she did that in the middle of her cancer treatment, which is kind of crazy. Um, you know, she mentored so many professional women that were younger than her that were pursuing graduate degrees or uh, teaching and starting out or going into the professional workplace for the first time. She helped people, she helped, she helped working women get jobs. You know, she helped provide feedback on, on so many hard work, uh, things that people were working on. She helped start a women's coalition here locally. She served in leadership roles in so many different organizations like United Way, the Yorkshire Playhouse and Helping Hands and uh, all those types of organizations. Uh, she was an ambassador for the chamber. But all of that was like just spent doing what she knew how to do, but then also making sure that she did her part to leave a door open for somebody else or to make sure that there was a bridge somewhere where she had to like swim across the river instead. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was always, she did the work and she, she had to go a whole lot harder than a lot of other folks had to, but you wouldn't have known that if you would have just watched her accomplish the stuff that she did. And she made sure that it was going to be a little bit easier or a pathway was going to be made a little bit more evident to somebody else behind her. So they wouldn't have had to do, um, had to, had to go through as much muck as she had to, to get there. And I think that's like, that's the lasting legacy that I think people that really were aware of what she was doing in the community and the people that were closest to her, that's going to be what her lasting legacy is. Is she did an awful lot of amazing professional stuff. She overcame an awful lot of junk in order to get there. Um, but man, she, she really didn't have to pay it forward and she made her life about paying it forward, which sounds kind of kitschy, but I don't know any other way else to say it because she, she really did. She really did. Um, anybody that spent time with her felt completely welcomed and felt like she made them better and she saw the best in them. And that's, it's a pretty remarkable thing. I think it's, it's, um, salient, you know, what, what Mitch, you know, thumbnailed there at the end, that was really her true North is, is wanting to make things better for other people. Um, we benefited from that at the family level, certainly. Um, the community benefited from that. She was in many, many, many Yorkshire productions. Um, she was on stage. She was backstage. Um, she served a couple of terms as president of the board. Um, she served the United Way uh, for several years. Um, she was involved in the York chapter of the American Cancer Society 
for a while. Um, she, you know, she just did um, whatever she could do and wherever she felt that there was a need and her energies would take her that way. And um, she just had a servant's heart. Um, and uh, I think that's one of the things I think Mitch, Mitch mentioned earlier, we really drew her to the nonprofits is because it, it wasn't just the corporate machine. Uh, she wanted to add meaning to the lives of other people as well as to herself. And I, I think, you know, wow, if everybody could do what she pulled off, it would be absolutely amazing. And I, I just hope I can because her mantra um, the last several years that she was living, she said, I just want to live fully until I don't anymore. And she did. She absolutely did. I was with her on the trip that she took to go see her oncologist and she heard that she was in remission and um, that she was in the beginnings of being in the clear. And I remember I hugged her and she started to cry and she just and I just told her, I just said, you did it. Like you did it. Like you did the hard thing, you know, um, when the, 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 um, the day she was diagnosed as DR said that it was a massive surprise. We were, um, not expecting that sort of news when we were waiting in at the doctor's office, trying to figure out what was going on with her. Um, very, I mean, she was emotional understandably when she got the news, but the first words out of her mouth were, were, well, let that means now it's time to fight. Like the first thing that she said after, after she was done processing the news. So like she, like she did everything. Like she, she literally did every single hard thing that she either was set out to do or was put in front of her. She did it. And that is, man, if anybody can say that they did that half the time, I would say that's probably, you know, a contented life, but she did just about absolutely everything, which is pretty remarkable. Um, and she would have continued to do more hard stuff if her body just hadn't have given up on her. That, that's really what it was. She was still mentally 100% sound and there, she had all of her wits about her and, and, and was still completely engaged in every important thing that was going on in her life up until the very end. So I, she was a doer of hard things. That's, that's, that's the biggest takeaway. And, and that was from, you know, from a community aspect, from a professional aspect, and then even until just all the ugly stuff, she, she did all the hard stuff and she did it in the best way she could. This is 17 County, brought to you by the York County Development Corporation in Nebraska. For more information about life and opportunity in the heartland, visit yorkdevco.com. Come grow with us. And if you liked this episode, be sure to rate and review 17 County on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Mm-hmm.